Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode 19. We're recording on Thursday, September 12th. I'm Rebecca Shinsky, and I'm here with Jeff O'Neill, and we are the editors of bookriot.com. Mr. O'Neill. Here we are. How are you? You know, this is a big show. It is a big show. It's a, it's a, it's like a big, big show. This, our, our agenda for this show got like blown up. Yeah, today. I, I know. And we were, we were excited uh, before today happened. It was going to be a good day anyway. And we're recording at night. We don't normally have. That's true. I am evenings. drinking a beverage. I am as well. I have had a disco nap and a whiskey with a little bit of mixer, so it's it's a it's a good day. I am drinking a quarter of a light beer, so you never know what's oh, going to happen here. You're so wild. Yeah, and we're both uh, in the middle of a thunderstorm, so we could have power, you know, uh, issues or anything be frightened here. Uh, so a, a thunderstorm that is uh, ravaging the eastern seaboard, as they say. If you are frightened, I will share my whiskey. <laughs> I don't think you're quarter on the of a mic. It'll come right through. through. Yeah. Okay, well, we've got so much to get to, but we got one we bit of uh, follow-up to take care of here. Um, and that is that we said a long, talked a long time ago about um, a lawsuit Harper Lee was filing against her ex-son-in-law agent. Do I have that right? Son-in-law? Something like that? Or her... Yeah. Hurt steps here. Well, Someone who is acting in an agently yeah. fashion, but is also sort of related to her and doing shady things. Former agent Samuel Pincus and others she had charged had conned her out of her copyright to To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, it's just bad news, Bears. And basically, Harper Lee and those around her, I assume, um, filed suit saying that it was shady dealings. And the court did not find for Harper Lee um, because the court did not, did not find anything at all. They are settling out of court, mm-hmm. which I'm going to presume is good news for the, those of us on the side of Beauty, Truth, and uh, Harper Lee. I think so. Beauty, Truth, and Harper Lee. That's a show yeah. title <laughs> potentially there. I right. can tell you from my uh, extensive and avid rewatching of Ally McBeal recently that the lawyers always prefer to settle out of court. <laughs> right. So I don't, I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that uh, Harper Lee's uh, lawyers or the judge or someone made it make a Michael Corleone deal with this pinkest mm-hmm. fella. Like, you know, either your brains or your signature is going to be on this deal. I mean, metaphorically, of course. <laughs> um, but it sounds like she's going to, I think it, I would presume that she's going to get her rights back, and I don't know if she's going to get damages or not. I, you know, when we talked about this story the first time, the rumors we had heard is that she is not in super good condition, mm-hmm. and this um, was a contributing factor in whatever happened with this Pincus Fellows originally. And I sure hope that whoever is advising her now has her best interests at heart. I mean, I don't know that she's capable mm-hmm. at this point of um, making super great decisions for her, but this sounds like progress. Yes, this is good news. To Kill a Mockingbird, you know, copyright back in Harper Lee's hands, I think is is excellent. And hopefully, uh, if she is not in good health, then uh, she suffered a stroke in 2007. And it, the piece that I'm reading 
looks like she's been continuing to experience you know some complications since then um so if she if she's not in good health i hope that this at least gives her some time to figure out what's uh, whose hands hopefully capable hands this uh copyright will fall into should anything happen yeah. to her and she is you know she is elderly and that's right it's it's as much now about getting it back to her while she's alive but also about the the future history of the rights sure. and the property and uh, it would just really be a shame to see something happen to such a beloved and important yeah. piece of american fiction so we're happy to see Definitely. This it feels like the right thing happening here. Definitely does. Okay, let's do our sponsor, and then we're going to get to the uh, big guns of the program. It's Squarespace again. Yes, They're back. tell me about Squarespace. They're back again. Squarespace is your all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional, professional-looking website or online portfolio. Um, like a lot of things these days, you want a website or a web presence for, and Squarespace, Squarespace makes it super, super easy. I use it myself for my personal blog which I'm not going to say the name of because, you know, there's only so many Betty White gifts I want to share with the world. But <laughs> it's really... Jeff, I, if you have a secret Betty White gift blog that I don't know about, I'm real sad Well, it wouldn't that. be secret if I told you. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so it's a drag-and-drop interface. You can mess with all of the settings and customizations. If you know HTML and CSS, you can mess with those. But if you don't, you can get something beautiful and professional-looking. It's really great. It's, it's especially good on images, um, handling images, uh, arranging images and layout is, is great. They're always improving, too. Just even in the short time I've been using them, they add new features all the time and make the interface easier. Um, they have some beautiful out-of-the-box templates that you can use that you don't have to touch a thing. Just put in your own images and text, and it'll look great. Um, and if you, but if you want to tweak the color of the font or the background or the arrangement or relative size of any of those elements, you can. And it's, it's fun. I mean, it's one of those deals where you can have fun just putting it together, which I don't think you can say of most other um, oh, yeah. blogging most... and uh, website platforms. Uh, it's a lot. Of, it's, it's great. Because you know it's, it's usually gonna, you a can pain. feel that it's going to look good. Sure, and they have award-winning it. customer service. They at do. Squarespace they have, that they I was have reading over about, seventy so. customer service reps. Uh, when you break something, or when the internet breaks on you, as it is wont to do occasionally, Squarespace will be there to back you up. Yeah, and and it's not free, um, and you're going to be glad it's not free. It's only eight dollars a month, um, but that's you get what you pay for, and and what I mean by that is you get a, it's a for website design and simple website hosting and creation that's a premium product and you're getting a premium product here you can do a free trial you don't have to sign up with a credit card to get your free trial and then remember to cancel it or else you're going to get charged a jillion dollars automatically you go in and you can try it and you can cancel and if you want to come back and try it a little bit later you can do that again as well and there's a deal we got a deal but wait there's more there's more if you sign up in september um, and you use our special code, go to squarespace.com slash riot9, R-I-O-T, and the number nine, you're going to get 20% off. Not bad. 20% off. And if you sign up for a year, you get a free domain name. Pretty sweet. They'll register it for you, and uh, you can have you can have bettywhitegift.net if uh, that's what you're... Man, I if mean, that's I mean, still available, uh, you should whatever, take whatever, it. Whatever your particular <laughs> blog might be. Um, so thanks so much to Squarespace Jeff O'Neill loves bettywhite.com. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much for Squarespace, squarespace.com. Slash Riot Nine for the deal. Okay. All right, Jeff, are you ready? I, this blew us up today. It was it. It sort of blew everything I, I kinda, up. But it's it kinda, such a good I, I was, thing. I've been thinking about this all day. I mean, I did a quick post about it because it was news, and you know, I've been thinking about it all day, and a lot of people have been chiming in. Uh, you go, lady. Okay. Go go so, for it. 
So J.K. Rowling, whom we love here, and now we know how to pronounce her last name properly. Hey, careful. That's unkind. Okay, <laughs> I say going. it in love. All right. J.K. Rowling is going to make her screenwriting debut with Warner Brothers, and she's going to do it writing not just one, but a series, a series of films set in the world of Harry Potter. Uh they're going to be based on a textbook that was used at Hogwarts called Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Uh, and that textbook is written by a fictional character named Newt Scamander. And so the, uh, the movies will follow the adventures of that book's fictional author. And they'll be set about 100 years before the events that took place in the Harry Potter books that we've already uh, read and loved and seen hit the screen. So understandably... Uh, the bookish world just sort of went bananas today. This news broke early this morning, and my, I mean, my brain was like a, I told you, it was like a puppy. <laughs> my brain it was, was like kind of hard to, it was yeah, kind of like hard to focus on any other stuff for the site in today. About, just thinking about J.K. Rowling and Harry Potter and <laughs> yeah. other movies and what it, might be in these movies and who might, like, who might see and is it going to be magical? And of course it will be magical. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you had asked me yesterday night, is is Rowling going to abandon the Harry Potter world forever? I would have said probably not. Do you, or would have you agreed with that? Like, I don't know what or when, but I don't think she's done with that. Would you have agreed with that? Yeah, I would have agreed with that. My, if I'd had to guess what I thought she would do with Harry Potter, I would have guessed it would be something like, um, I think maybe between the sixth book and the seventh book, mm. she did... That tiny book that was based on Tales the of Beetle the Bard. Yes, Tales, Tales of Beetle the Bard. Um, when that came out, I thought, okay, that's pretty cool. And like it fleshes out the world of Harry Potter and the Hogwarts uh, folklore a little bit more. I, I could see maybe like something more like that, some more short stories or a short, like a, maybe an ebook original mm-hmm. that was a prequel with the story of Harry's parents, of James and Lily, or something like that. Um, but she said several times, you know, many times in lots of interviews that she loves this world that she created mm-hmm. and she loves the characters in it and that it was difficult to leave them behind after spending so many years writing it. So I would have guessed we'd see something from Harry, but um, this wouldn't have been my guess. And well, I you're of, sort I, of, I mean, you're sort of right in your hunch that it was going to be a side mm-hmm. piece of the world we already knew. And it's certainly that. I mean, A Tales of Beatles, the Bard novella and a movie based on Fantastic Beasts are kind of of the same piece yeah, um, in relationship true. to the to the main storyline that we've seen so far. I, I'm just making sure we got... So we, there's a lot we don't know about it. We don't right. know how many movies. We don't know when. Um, all we know is that it's based on this. It's, a, it's more than one movie. Mm-hmm. Series, to me, says three, at least. At least. Um, it's not it's, one. I wouldn't guess two. It's neither a prequel nor, nor a sequel. sequel to the Harry Potter series. So it's set in the same world. The time is before, like you said, about a hundred years we're hearing between 70, 80 um, from the Harry Potter nuts who, who really chart this stuff. Um, starts in New York. Starts in New York. Yeah. And um, I, I guess the big piece of news besides the big piece of news um, that's interesting for our purposes is there are no books. There, right. There's no new books to come out of it. I guess that's, I'm oh, a, but- Think of the fan fiction, Jeff. Oh, baby. Uh, 
I, I guess that's the one disappointment. Well, here, let me say this. I'm super excited. I, are you a Harry Potter fan? I don't know if I've ever asked oh, you this. Oh, yeah, okay. I am. Um, not, like, I don't have a Pottermore account. No, 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 me neither. No. Uh, but I've I read all of the books uh-huh. um, from the third one on right as they came out. I sort of caught on yeah, to it. Yeah, I started on the late. fourth one. And I've yeah. Never, did you ever go back to read the first couple, or have you let, let them um, I, re- I went back and read this, or maybe I started with the second one. My I, all, I like, very narrowly missed Harry Potter, it seems. I was, um, in a, I was a soft we in college, I think, and my husband's roommate uh, was reading the first book and raving about it. And I was like, a book? like it's a kid's book about wizards. <laughs> yeah. um, and when the movie, he was reading it in anticipation of the film coming out. And so the film came out and we all went to see it and it was great and I loved it. And so then I, the second book at that point was already out. And so I just started, I think, with the second book and read my way forward um, yeah. and then you know went to see all the films so i guess it. sufficient to say we're both excited for this like not only Super is it fun excited. for us to talk and write about on the site because we have a site that talks about books and people read this and we'll, this will give us years of material oh, <laughs> but yeah. like just as fans we're excited about this but if i had to like sort of draw up my dream scenario here mm-hmm. i wanted new books um and i i don't know if i wanted the same characters or not well I, and so know, there's like, there's no saying that there definitely won't be books yet. But sure, all we I know would is doubt it, though. All we know is that she's going to write this. Like, are, I would, she's going to write the screenplays. I mean, that's the other thing. Is like but she's not just I would giving just treatment bet, or something. Like, dollars to donuts that when this movie comes out, you'll be able to walk into a bookstore and buy a copy of Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. Like, the sidelines, I think for sure, are going to get created. Yeah. We might not get books that tell the so- the same story that the movie tells or that the series is going to tell on mm-hmm. screen. But I think those sort of side pieces are going to pop up. Um, sure. the, the but thing it's I'm not really, the same. It's not the same. I'm really excited that, you know, we're doing this in 2013, 2014, 2015. And so they're going to develop Fantastic Beast, not just for the screen, but with the studios, with Warner Brothers, video game, consumer products, digital oh, initiatives, um, enhanced links at Pottermore with Rolling's digital hey, online gets experience. Me, nothing like, gets my engine revving like enhanced links. You know, that's all you've got to say. <laughs> and you've got a Friday night. Um, it's just, I, well, I think it's going to be really cool to see how this gets built out um, because the internet really does love Harry Potter. Um, that if you is use, the other thing I've man, forgotten Tumblr, until today is <laughs> that this isn't, you know, it goes beyond books. It goes beyond uh, kids. It goes beyond Americans. Like we had people from all over oh, the world yeah. commenting and sharing and talking about um, this announcement on Twitter and Facebook and on the site today. Um but and so the other thing is the other thing we don't know is timing. One thing that not having books first does is that means the movies are going to be in the theater sooner. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't know when. It doesn't sound like there's a um, script yet. Just a deal is in place. Maybe she's working on it. Yeah, probably. I guess it's going to take a year for the screenplay. So I, you know, if this is 2016, um, I would. If it's before, if it's 2016 or before, I would be shocked. So we've got a long time to speculate about it. Um, oh, so and I, it'll be fun to watch the announcements roll casting, out. Yeah, um, casting news. Uh, we don't know. really know if, like, is Newt Scamander going to be the lead or is he going to be, like, a Dumbledore figure to somebody else and what's the tension going to be? Are they going to be standalone mm-hmm. stories or is there going to be a through arc that connects them all, like the original yeah. movies? I, I don't know. Here's the thing I'm secretly hoping is that we'll get young Dumbledore 
we, somewhere. We might, we might do it. I well, think I, we might. And because... she said since he, he was gay, so maybe we'll get some of that stuff. We'll get young yeah. on the town Dumbledore. <laughs> and, the, and the guy, well, he had that long friendship with that guy. That Dumbledore goes clubbing. And the, the friendship with the guy that had the wand. Oh, the Harry Potter fans are just, they're just <laughs> gritting their teeth right now. I think his name was Anakin Skywalker. The uh, friendship that, with that, the guy. Albus Dumbledore was um, going, going out on the town with Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> and that's when the... Um, they got the, uh, they got uh, that that special sword from Elrond, and then, um, <laughs> and then Let's just commit here. And I then know, they I'm just the committing nerd. I'm committing nerd suicide. <laughs> um, anyway, I'd like to see some of that stuff. I'd like to, maybe a little. You know, we get a little hint of of stuff to to come yeah, there would some, be fun some very helpful uh, book riot readers uh, answered a question that i asked on twitter today because i i didn't know how old exactly dumbledore was because i haven't earned the full harry potter nerd merit badge yet mm-hmm. uh but dumbledore was born in 1881 and in the world of the books, uh, the Dumbledore dies in 1996. Um, so he's 115 when he dies. And if these books go back between 70 and 100 years before uh, the, t- the stuff we saw in the Harry Potter books, it's totally possible. Like, yeah. Dumbledore in old New York, <laughs> like 1920s weird... New York. Oh, my God. A Dumbledore, Great Gatsby, 1920s New York mashup, please. <laughs> Well, if he was 80, he would be like nine years old. It'd be like around World War II or something. Yeah, but that ruins my fantasy. Yeah, days. okay. <laughs> um, I, I think it'd be cool because so the idea is that this is fantastic beasts and where to find them. You know, one thing that's kind of interesting about the Harry Potter series is kind of how closed it is. Mm-hmm. Like events only really happen at like Hogwarts, <laughs> right? Sure, like and the flying and, car and, and, goes flying very, over London, yeah, but like no right. one notices. And you don't, and you don't go anywhere else in the in the world. So I wonder if this is a chance to just really crack the world open, and go to a bunch of different locations um, with a giant budget. Um, yeah, that's something if, I'd really like to see. I'm sure that would be that'd be maybe really they'll cool. globe trot like Robert Langdon does. Yeah, <laughs> like all the all the major world locations in one or two, or maybe it'll be like books. Lord of the Rings where they just walk. They just spend like two books walking, looking for stuff, drinking beer, and singing old elves. Why would song. you walk when you could apparate? Yeah, that's friend. that's a good. Maybe they haven't invented that yet. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I, I, a little, you know. But I don't, it's I don't like know. you know, Dumbledore wakes up, doesn't know where he is, mm-hmm. realizes that he's in Venice, and then he hops in a fireplace <laughs> and goes to London and <laughs> New York. He talks Man, about I'm how. I'm so the, sorry, Harry Potter. I know we <laughs> we really are excited. We're not mocking you. We're not. We're, we're not, so excited. We're not. We're excited. Um, okay, let's, let's go meta just for a second. Can we go meta for a second. I think I those like are the it. facts of the case, mm-hmm. um, and they are undisputed, but. Why? Why not? Why is she doing this? Does she? She doesn't need money. I, I dismiss that out of hand. Well, you know, I think we know from her experiment with the Robert Galbraith yeah. alias, and from her experiment doing writing for adults with the Casual Vacancy that she's interested in. You know, trying a new thing, mm-hmm. um, and certainly she's interested Wait, in continuing. So you call to write. this trying a new thing? You're saying well, this is trying thing. a new thing? It's a different thing. Hmm, she's interested okay. in continuing to make stuff. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't dispute that um, at all. You know, yeah, she's not going to like sit back on her, you know, very abundant Scrooge McDuck pile of money. <laughs> <laughs> Which she's generous with, we should say. Yeah. She gives a lot of it away. Um, but and, and she could, but she's not going to retire. And uh, I think she's 
taking advantage of the position that she's in to think about what it is that she really wants to do and to do that thing. So she wrote a mystery novel under an alias, and now she's returning to the world that she really loved living in. She was, you know, J.K. Rowling was not in a good place when she started writing the Harry oh, Potter. Oh, no. No, 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 no. And she's, she's talked very openly about how writing these books and then, of course, the success of the books saved her from... Being on the dole. From, right. The from, UK, yeah. uh, from being in a very impoverished situation. She was depressed. Um, and these books changed her life. So I, I understand why she wants to go back and spend time in them. And it, it sounds from the press release also like she enjoys Newt Scamander. And she already felt like she... Yeah, that's like so she, interesting. She says in the press release, like, I felt like I knew a lot about him already. And um, that... Hardcore Potter fans know that she liked Newt so much that she married Newt's grandson Rolf off to Luna Lovegood. So she's. I, I mean, I mean, I, you know what? Now Potter. I think about that. That was super obvious. I really should have known that. <laughs> I, you know, I this is why we have that. the press release. Yeah, I guess that's true. I just <laughs> find it cu- like yeah. I'm excited, but it's sort of curious. The whole thing is a little curious. Of it almost feels like I don't know. Maybe she. She likes the she likes to tell the stories, but maybe she doesn't love writing the books. Does that make sense? Or she doesn't maybe. want to like go through the whole writing the book process, well, and, but I mean, wants to tell the is, story. Well, writing a screenplay will be will be a different thing for yeah, her. Yeah, that's what like, I mean. That like, will be an experiment. It's so much different what, than writing a seven hundred page. Yeah, book. maybe it's not so much that she doesn't want to write the books or she doesn't like doing it, but this is an this is an opportunity to try something different that she yeah. has not done before. Same, and and maybe that's a smart way to do it if you're going to make the transition from writing books to writing screenplays and sort of working in a mm-hmm. medium that you haven't worked in before, do it in a world that you know very well. Yeah, and I wonder what kind of deal she negotiated. Oh, oh man. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, did they, did, they, did they just pull up a huge truck full of jewels and were like, oh, probably. is this enough? It's more than... Rolling? Is it's this... more than seven barrels of money, like on if for the Breaking Bad fans <laughs> yeah. out there. <laughs> I'm the sure desert. it's more than seven barrels worth. Uh, yeah, so I mean, who kn- and the rights she probably retained in what piece, and that's that's really amazing. She she even goes out of her way to thank um, an exec at Warner Brothers. So that's probably whoever signs the checks. I would imagine. Yeah, I think it's interesting. She she certainly tried. And try to make it sound like she failed. I don't think she failed by all intents and purposes with the other books. Like, say what you will, a lot of people liked Casual Vacancy. We hear from mm-hmm. people all the time that liked it. And while the Galbraith book, um, Cuckoo's Calling, was largely um, ignored before it was found out that she was the author, those who have read it, um, including some of the people uh, that write for us, really liked it. I mean, it yeah. thought it was a game effort. You know, maybe It wasn't not panned. No, it wasn't panned at all. Um, it wasn't setting the world on fire, but um, she clearly could do a couple of different. She can do different things, and um, she may not have Harry Potter-like success doing other things, but she she's got game mm-hmm. in other areas. So it, it, if those would have been like giant flops and huge pans, this would have been less as a less of a surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, but she also said when um, she was outed as being the uh, author of the Cuckoo's Calling that she had more of those books in her as well. So maybe one thing she wants to maybe she wants to write other novels, but she can continue with the the wizard world stuff in this venue, and mm-hmm. it doesn't, you know, that you don't have to be writing multiple novels at one time. So that's I guess that's another possibility. Yeah, it is, and I just um, 
hit a line in the press release that I hadn't noticed mm. before where she says that it all started when Warner Brothers came to her with the suggestion of turning Fantastic Beasts and where to find them into a film. Hmm. And, that, so, and that she thought it was a fun idea, but the idea of seeing anybody else tr- try to write Newt ah, and Fantastic Beasts was really difficult. Well, don't you think Warner Brothers just showed up on her doorstep every Tuesday with like, hey, you know that, um, that grocery receipt? <laughs> right. Do you want to turn that into... What, <laughs> What are you what are you writing right there? Is that your is that your I mean maybe list? Warner maybe Brothers maybe they sort of had an inside line and somebody there I'm there's sure probably somebody lost. at Warner Brothers who is a hardcore Harry Potter nerd and knew the bit about Luna Lovegood well, and they should Rolf have teams of people just and was trying like, to hey, read the Rowling tea, re- tea leaves at any given time seriously so that, I mean, there was probably someone there who was like you know she's probably pretty attached to this Fantastic Beasts thing yeah. it would make a good movie she also probably doesn't want anybody else right. to even you know not even to have the whisper of someone else writing a story in the world that she she created. I mean, so let's see what we can do. Write the screenplay. I mean, maybe that was just the deal for the Harry Potter movies. Mm-hmm. She had other people write the screenplay. Like she yeah, could she have had done to finish a, the books at that point. She could have done a story treatment and let someone else do the screenplay. Mm-hmm. Like it. Now we'll see. Maybe who knows if she will actually get the screenplay credit or not. It's still a little early. It says mm-hmm. she's going to write a series of films. So. Um, it, it's I mean, unclear exactly. What I'll line that up at means. midnight and wear my big round glasses. Yeah. 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 Um, magical creatures and characters, some of which will be familiar. To, I mean, that's that's just catnip for those Potters. <laughs> um, anything, what else should we say about this? I guess I'm guessing bookstore owners are bummed right now. I mean, yeah, that there aren't there'll books. be a little bit of a, a echo boom for Harry Potter stuff and whatever comes out around it, but nothing like you know a guaranteed three five hundred page novel set, one every two years for the next yeah. six years. Um, J.K. Rowling's young, though. I think we well, could still she's get in her, that. She's in her fifties, sixties. I don't know. Oh, I don't think she's in her sixties. I don't. It feels. It feels like Harry Potter's been around forever. So yeah. it's like it, my sense of it all screwed um, up. But. I wouldn't be surprised if we got another awesome series from J.K. Rowling. Yeah. Just maybe down the line. Down maybe, the line. Maybe. I will um, stand by my prediction that there's going to be like a coffee table version of. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Yeah, are you buying that, though? I'm I'm not buying that. I might not be, but, like, well, not for myself, but I'm buying it for, like, every niece and nephew that loves Harry Potter. I'm talking about me, Shinsky. I'm not talking about them right now. I'm talking (laughs) about me. Yeah, but we're not the hardcore Potterites. Well, that's, you know, let them them troll the forums. That's what they've got. That's what Pottermore's for. Uh, anyway, <laughs> they are a legion and they will buy that book. Yeah, I, I know. No, they will. They will. I'm just saying what I would like is I would like the books to come out. I read them. That I get oh, it's all about you. I forgot. <laughs> this is podcasting. What else are we supposed to talk about? <laughs> Why do you think I do this? But to talk oh, about Oh, right. Me? Just carry on. Yeah. Tell me, how does this make you feel? Yeah, Jeff? I know. Right. I feel very I'm conflicted. Uh, <laughs> I'm hopeful, but mostly excited. But scared. <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. What's next? What's next? Birthdays. We oh, got birthdays. birthdays man. Is so much news I almost forgot. But we got two Williams this <laughs> week. Uh, two Williams who, between them, have William in their name three times. Uh, the first is William Carlos Williams, mm-hmm. who was born this coming week, um, September seventeenth, in eighteen eighty-three, in Rutherford, New Jersey. You may know him. If you know him at all, as a poet, as an imagist, his most famous poem being The Red Wheelbarrow. Mm-hmm. So much depends upon the real red wheelbarrow beside the white chickens, you know, that whole thing that people mm-hmm. make fun of, and I do too. Um, but a great poet. The imagist 
movement uh, of which he was the uh, principal member um, sought to express ideas um, in the physical world. So this one poem from Patterson, um, one of his volumes is, the, the, ex, the ex, excerpt I think um, explains it better than any text could, but say it, no ideas but in things, nothing but the blank faces of the houses and cylindrical trees bent, forked by preconception and accident, split, furrowed, creased, mottled, stained, secret, bring them into the body of light. So that's the imagist manifesto in a movement. And I, I gave William Carlos Williams a little bit of uh, pumping up here because I'm going to make fun of him. Oh. Are you ready? That's what called a setup so you can bring down the hammer. So he <laughs> you do has that a weird so well. story. Um, back when I used to do Literary Fact of the Day, this was one of my favorite ones I used to do. He married um, his wife, uh, funny enough, Florence Herman, um, in 1912, but only after his, her elder sister had rejected his marriage proposal. Well, that's awkward. Isn't it? I, that's one of the weirder ones. I've ever I feel heard. like that's pretty awkward. <laughs> yeah, I, that's that's very strange. Um, they call that the switch in Seinfeld. I guess that's roommates, not sisters. Um, very difficult is, to pull yeah, off. Roommates is awkward. Sisters is way awkward. I guess. I, I guess if you can't get the Cadillac, you're happy with the Chevy. I don't know. I mean, yeah, but who wants to be the Chevy? Well, he was a very talented guy, uh, a doctor, a writer. Um, Good-looking fella, so maybe, I, I don't know, but that is a weird one. I wish I knew a little bit more about the story. That That's all I've ever been able to find out about without reading a huge poetry biography, which, uh, thanks, but I'd rather go yeah, play on Pottermore. There's a, there's a new, a, a relatively new site online called The Toast that does like a little literary stuff, a little humor. Oh, we like them, yeah, The Toast. Excellent writing for women. I really, really love The Toast. And Mallory Ortberg uh, over there this week, she does a series that is texts from famous authors where she imagines how these famous writers <laughs> would send text messages. And so this week they have texts from William Carlos Williams. Uh, I have eaten the little red wheelbarrow that was in the <laughs> icebox and upon which so much depended. Forgive me. I don't even know why I did that. I guess I thought it was one of those little ice cream cakes. <laughs> and it just, it goes on. These yeah. They get progressively longer. It's really funny. Um, we'll drop the link to that in the show notes. And she has previous entries to the texts from uh, series. But uh, I thought that was very entertaining this week. Um, and especially have a little fun, William Carlos Williams expense. Yeah, well, I'll give you one other one because I feel bad about bringing up an awkward fact about him. He wrote the introduction to uh, Ginsburg's Howl, oh. Ginsburg's mentor. That's uh, cool. And a very, a very interesting introduction, too. If you can still buy the original City Lights um, paperback, is still the one that's circulating it in print. Nice. Okay, another William. Mm-hmm. I, back to William Carl Swims. I can't leave it on a good note, I guess. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> if your last name is Williams and you're like... You, Congratulations, ma'am. You have a baby boy. And you're like, hmm, his last name is Williams. What should I... You know what, William? Yeah. William. I just got to, I have to assume it's a family name. It's like, not. The, as far as I can not, tell, it's not. There's not like a bunch of William, no, middle name Williams no, no, no. down his line. Nope, but just, uh, it's like Boutros, Boutros, golly. The man's so nice, they named it twice. Uh, <laughs> William Golding, that's our other birthday. Transition. 19, 19th September. I could, it's William. We're just going to keep saying William until we run out of uh, stories. 19th September, 1911. He mm -hmm. was born in Cornwall in the UK. Um, his first novel was 
Lord of the Flies. Man, that's coming hot out of the gate, boy. That is a good way to start. (laughs) Um, Which was met with instant critical acclaim, and his next several novels were all met with um, great acclaim um, in Britain. But his 1964 novel, The Spire, which is about the raising of a giant church spire, um, and it was told in a stream of consciousness by an omniscient narrator, Tough book to read. I've tried it. Really tough. 223 pages. Pretty short, but tough to get through. Caused a, a critical backlash. They're it like, this guy's like a joke. A, like Faulkner meets Ken Follett. Yeah, that's a really good It's actually more, it's like Finnegan's Wake meets um, Pillars of the Earth. It's even Ugh. a little more uh, obscure than that. So it began a backlash, and it, it, he really took it personally and had a hard decade, um, which is not my factoid, though that's interesting to know. But he spent, it it caused him to do some reflection to try to deal with his own personal turmoil and conflict. And he spent the next 20 years keeping a dream diary Hmm. um, to sort of chart his experiences and his heartache and his pain and his confusion. And it turned out to be thousands of pages um, and more than two million words. Whoa. I bet William Golding would tell me about his feelings. Oh, I think he did. I think he. Uh, I think. Did he, the Dream Journal get published? I don't think it ever has been published. I mean, you need several inconveniently large buildings to hold it. True. Um, but ebooks, baby. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so but he eventually would recover um, and write again, and you know, don't feel too bad for him because he did win the Nobel Prize in 1983. But uh, that's pretty interesting. I'd like to see those. Uh, yeah, that or would just be a little bit of it, because the, the image I have in my head is you know in the movie Seven. When mm-hmm. they go into to Kevin Spacey's apartment and there's all those composition yep. journals, mm-hmm. that's what I imagine right now. Yes. Or, or maybe his wife was like, you know, uh, they're over coffee. He's like, don't tell me about your dream again. Write it down. And he's like, ooh, that's a good idea. Maybe that's where the idea for the dream sharing and yeah, the giver came from. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that was the, in the 60s or 70s, right? 70s? Uh, yeah, I think 74, 70s. something like mm-hmm. that. Anyway, so that's William Golding, who would have been 103 years old. This week. So happy birthday to William Golding, Sir William Golding. Oh, who sir. Knighted, and William Carlos Williams. All right. Fancy men. Fancy men. All right. Should the I next do this one? one? You yeah, go. you I've should been ta- do this no, I've been one. talking. I've You've been, been talking? talking? Okay. Well, man, I've just been like sitting over here waving my Muppet arms about this <laughs> thing for the last week. We've been, um, this is what we've been excited to talk about. Yeah, we've been sharpening like, our pencils and sort taking of, notes thought our whole show would be Mm -hmm. this or a big chunk of it would be this. Um, We recorded the show last week on Thursday. And then, of course, we got up Friday morning and there was huge news. uh, And that was that Oyster has launched, which is a Netflix style subscription service for ebooks. Uh, many things have rolled out that have purported to be Netflix for ebooks or Spotify for ebooks. There's like a different one announced every week. Uh, But Oyster is the first one that actually looks and feels like the thing. Yep. Harper Collins is the first of the major publishers to sign on to it, but Houghton Mifflin Harcourt has also signed on Melville House, which yep. is a really wonderful small publisher with a Open gorgeous Road Media, which is a new digital imprint that's doing some awesome stuff. Yeah, too. and they're bringing Open Road is bringing a lot of authors' backlist that's been out of print back into print yep. on eBooks. Uh, so for Oyster, uh, right now it's iPhone only. They have an iPad app that's coming soon for nine ninety five a month. You get unlimited access to the eBooks in their catalog which number more than 100,000 plus a bunch of public domain books. You can have as many of them going at a time as you want. You can take as long to read them as you want. Uh, 
not a you know they don't have the same limitations of borrowing ebooks from your public library mm-hmm. and and man Jeff it's gorgeous wait 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 we, we gotta we're gonna get we're gonna fan boy and girl over this in a second oh, what other facts to, do we need to know what other facts do we it's need iPhone to know? only right now the, mm-hmm. the iPad app is coming in the fall oh currently it is by invitation only in invitation only we're very but special you can request you anyone can request an invitation at oysterbooks.com and they've been rolling out um, you know just sort of a handful uh, they're doing a batch of them I think every day um, just to sort of keep it from being a giant flood into their new system so they can provide good service. Yeah. Two right now. Um, as I, I wrote a, I wrote a little mini review um, last week. I'd been using it for a day. I, I was lucky because I got one of the very first invitations that rolled. I had signed up for it a long time ago. Yeah, so did I. And then, um, then I send you the invite. I got a free invite to send to someone. Did it, did it show that? Yeah, it came I got from one me? from you, and then I got an email from oh, Oyster great. that was like, okay. "Hey, that that invitation you asked us for six months ago, oh, before, yeah. way okay. before we launched. Now you can do that." Okay. <laughs> so we've been using it for almost a week now. Um, it's so great. It's really, really good. <laughs> I mean, there, there's only one problem with it. Do we, and I think we, well, it's not mm-hmm. even really a problem for us. Uh, well, I guess it, it depends. So we both really like, we've been using it for, I've read two books on it in a week. Mm-hmm. I have two. Um, and the, so let's get some of the objections out of the way. Let's do it that way. That's interesting. How about oh, that? Here's another fact. Oh yeah. Yeah. Facts. Most of the books that are in it are backlist. Oh, so you're, yeah. you're not going to go get like when we talk about Ocean new books here lane, in a little bit, right? You're whatever. not going to go yeah. download a brand new title, yeah. but you can probably go get that author's last big book. Um, and we've been speculating maybe correctly, maybe not correctly that Oyster will stick to this tactic and be a source for backlist and, yeah. and that you'll have to continue to buy eBooks new if you want them, if you want brand new titles, which is sort of the same thing that Netflix does. You know, you, you can't watch Magic Mike on Netflix until like a year right. after Magic yeah. Mike's been in the theater. I, I think people have, you know, Netflix for books is a nice catchphrase and I'm sure they use that in their, um, investment round like oh somebody. for sure um but I, I think a better descriptor though less catchy is is netflix for backlist ebooks like that's mm-hmm. i think that's the the um sustainable way of thinking about how this works so i think the iphone only thing is going to go away i think that's a way of keeping they don't have to do as much ui design because it's a small screen um and they can keep it to a smaller invitation pool i'm sure mm-hmm. the ipad will be next i'm sure after that an android app is yeah, on the, the books. Right. The site says no plans for Android, but that just means we don't want to tell you about yeah, it yet. Yeah, right, right. In, in, you know, in tech parlance. Oh, it's US if there's, only right now, too. Yeah, yeah. If there's a huge demand for it, you know they'll make an Android right. version. I think those are all obstacles that are either temporary or intentionally put up to let them roll out in the experience. because It hasn't crashed on me at all. I haven't had any hiccups like that. The, right, some, it hasn't, hasn't some, been buggy for me at all. Not either. buggy. The text shows up. It scrolls smoothly. Very nice user interface. Um, there's some social networking stuff kind of like as placeholders, but it doesn't seem to be working um, quite yet. I tried to connect my Twitter account to it, and it didn't work properly or whatever. That that stuff will get taken care of. But as as a proof launch concept... For a week old, this is damn good stuff. 
This is the thing. This is the th- it is the thing, right? It's, it's the not thing. Just it's me, totally it? the thing. No, it's not just you. It's and not I've been, just me. Yeah. Like I was, I've been, you know, I think we were both wondering about it last week because we're both, uh, we both tend towards being early adopters mm-hmm. in tech. We like to try the new things, and like I've sort of tried every one of these yeah. things as it's rolled out, hoping that each thing was going to be cool. So I've seen a lot of the not awesome ones, and Oyster has just looked awesome from the start. Um, I read like a whole romance novel on it in the car dealership on Saturday, which like, you know, the car dealership is like the unspoken 10th circle of Dante's hell. And there was Oyster with a huge catalog of books for me to select from right, you know, in the moment. Um, And then my test is usually to send these cool things that I think are cool to people that I know who read books, who love books, but who don't don't have a podcast about books. right, Right, right. Who don't work in books. Uh, and sort of don't really have a pony in the race the way that we do. And I just say, like, I'm using this thing. What do you think about it? And so I sent Oyster invitations to a couple of friends um, and just said, like, I really, you know, I really want to know what you think. And those friends so far have been really impressed as well. And uh, one of them said, this is the thing that I've been waiting for. I do all my reading on my iPhone. Um, this is it. This is the thing that I want. Yeah, you, I, Just here, take my money. Here's another data point or points, depending on how you want to calculate this. So I, I, I reached out to Oyster to say, hey, could you, if you have some invites, I'd like to give some away on the site. You know, don't, people can still pay and it's still iPhone only, but just let's let some people jump the queue because people are really excited. Oh, the people are excited. So we put up the site, we put up the post yesterday morning, that's Wednesday, mm-hmm. uh, September 11th. And as of right now, they, we got more than 750 uh, entries. Yep. And that's people knowing they have to pay and knowing it's US only and knowing it's iPhone. And you can cancel it at any time. Can, that's a very nice. But that's that's pretty good sign of demand that mm-hmm. you've got that many people who are interested in trying it right out of the gate. Yeah. So, again, you know, that's our readership who are like us, willing to try, excited to try technology stuff. So, But a very good sign. Okay. Where should we go from here? Let's talk um, – let's talk uh, – let's do cons first. Okay. Cons first. Objections that we, what objections have you heard to it? We've seen some on the yeah, side the, and other people well, talking about it. The, you know, it's not perfect. Nothing created sure. by humans is perfect. But what, what objections and what can we say about them? The, I mean, the primary objection that this has gotten that I've seen is I can already get ebooks from my yep. library and read them on my phone and that's free. That's right. Which is true. You can Which do that. Which is technically true. Um, but my objection handler <laughs> there. My husband works in finance. I'm told that you have objection handlers for difficult clients. Okay. Is that's true? You could get ebooks from your library, but right. the interface is not great yeah. on Overdrive. It's, you know, it can be clunky. You might have to wait in line to get the ebook Overdrive for a long time. Being the most popular service for um, distributing yes. library ebooks, yeah. Right. You might have to be on a waiting list, then you'll have the ebook for a limited amount of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Many libraries limit the number of ebooks that you can borrow at a particular moment. And there, as we've talked about on previous episodes, there are a lot of issues between publishers and libraries about ebook lending. So the backlist that your library is able to offer might be uh, more robust than what Oyster currently has, but it also might not be. Right. It might not be. Uh, here's what I say about that um, convenience is not nothing. Like, there's a reason we went from a pocket watch to a wristwatch, even though it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like just having it on your wrist makes a difference. Like that little bit of saving time and friction feels good. It feels people are willing to put up with 
something that's, you know, a detractor, which I guess here would be price, the $10 a month. I guess that's sure. the thing that people are distinguished between. And I think the instantaneous nature of it is really hard to, to underestimate. So, you know, I was looking for, I was browsing through what they had available. Um, and, you know, one of the books I've missed from forever ago, The Handmaid's Tale, Margaret Atwood never read it. Really? Oh, yeah. Uh, so that was on there. So I'm mm-hmm. like, great, I'll put that on my list of stuff I want to read. And I thought just as a check, I'd go to the Brooklyn, Brooklyn Public Library's website and see mm-hmm. if I could get that uh, an ebook. And I could, but they've got three copies and there are 11 people in front of me online if I were to, to, to jump up right there. Yep. And so you do the algebra to tell me how long you think that's going to take. And the answer is no one knows. Like you just don't, it could be three days. It could be three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the distinct, the difference between like, yes, I want to read that and I can get it for free at some unknown point in the future when maybe I don't want to read it yeah. is one thing. And then I can start reading it right now and I'm done and it's right there and I don't have to give it back. And it's it just, it's just, it's, it's so, it makes such a difference. It sounds so dumb. Like that it should be such a difference, but it makes a huge difference mm-hmm. um, in, in that respect too. And the other thing that's hard to, to quantify is the UI is great. It's a beautiful it, UI. It, it really it's is. It's really and pretty. When it rolled out last week, um, you know, and I got my invitation and I set up my account and I started putting books on my phone, I thought um, that this would be a thing that I used because since, uh, since I don't live in the city and I'm not on public transit a lot, um, I thought this would be a thing that I use like when I'm stuck in line somewhere or I'm sitting in a waiting room or, mm-hmm. you know, something, you know, those moments when I'm out and I want something to read and I'm not carrying a book around with me. This will be really great for that or when I'm traveling um, and I don't want to carry my e-reader with me. But I got started on that uh, novel that I was reading at the car dealership and then we came home and I wanted to keep reading it and the experience of reading on my phone had been pleasant for several hours already. So I sat there on my couch and read the book there on you my did. phone. You did it, didn't you? I did. And then I thought, I, I was sort of piecing it together after the fact, like, why was I so worried about reading a book on my phone? And why was I so certain that I didn't want to read a book on my phone at home before? And it's like, well, I, I mean, I sit on my phone when we're watching TV and I scroll through Twitter and that's I look right. at Facebook yeah. and those are not nearly as pleasant and the text is a lot smaller. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, so the experience of, of reading Oyster was really comfortable and pleasant and yeah. that makes, I'm willing to pay nine ninety five a month for Well, that. listen, I agree. Like I've, I do a lot, I've done a lot of reading on my phone before that. My preferred e-reading right now, and that's pretty much all my reading is on my iPad mini. So when they have an iPad mini one, when I'm at home and can sit down for a while, I, I'll, I'm going to choose to read on that. But you know what? If you've got a random 10 minutes somewhere um, to to have your phone ready to go right there and you, you know, you're know you paying a subscription service. So it's kind of like I say in New York, like there's a different people coming to town. They're trying to decide whether they need a per-ride Metro card or an unlimited Metro card. And mm-hmm. they're sort of doing the math, right? Like, well, I'm going right. to use it here and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, just get the unlimited one for a couple of reasons. One, you won't worry about it. You know, you're not right. going to, you know, try to marshal your, your swipes and how much did I spend. And it gives you sort of a liberty to just go ahead and use it. You want to take the subway two stops rather than walk to say, you just mm-hmm. do it. And there's something about that freedom to just jump into it. You know, I read um, one of these marketing new wave internet marketing books. I'm not going to say the name because I'm embarrassed. <laughs> because, and I would never have bought it. And I was, I've, you know, I've always sort of been like, yeah, it'd be nice to read that in some day, but I'm not going to pay 12 bucks for an ebook or I'll buy it used and go my way. And it was, I was looking for something to read. I didn't want 
nonfiction, heavy nonfiction. I wasn't in a mood for a novel. Like, you know what? I'll try this. And it was interesting and I got something out of it. I read it the whole way through. It took me a few hours to get through and I was done and it goes away. Um, and that is really hard to, mm-hmm. uh, to quantify. Like we all have those books that we're interested in, but the friction of paying 10 bucks for it or like hoping you're going to find it used or going out of your way to put it on the queue at the library is enough to get you to mm-hmm. never read it. But if it's just sitting right there and you roll across it in the right mood, you might try it. Yeah. You might so try it. I think that's a pro of the discovery yeah, side right. of this is that uh, though Oyster doesn't have, you know, every publisher's full backlist with more than 100,000 titles, like yeah. you're, just, you're bound to find some things that you're aware of or that you're interested in that you can start reading. And because you don't have to buy each book, you're not committed to the book in any way. You can mm-hmm. open it and read 15 pages and decide that you hate it and then just move on to something else. And it hasn't cost you anything to try it. That piece of discovery is really great um, for it. The One of the cons is that the catalog is still small yeah. and Oyster is still young and they are definitely still in the process of perfecting how those recommendation algorithms work. So I poked around some at like, if I like this book, what other things oh, does you it did? recommend? I didn't do that at all. I just yeah, um, and I saw um, a librarian friend was discussing on Twitter as well that she had uh, looked at some young adult novels on Oyster and then it was recommending things that weren't young adult novels, which can be problematic. So it's, you know, it's certainly not perfect sure. yet, but a thing that, that I've been doing with it is finding the ebook editions on Oyster of books that I own in print oh. um, and sort of poking around at that, like, uh, Houghton Mifflin Harcourt does the Best American series every yep, year. That's right. Every October. So they're getting ready to come out. And I have been working my way like very slowly through <laughs> the Best American Short Stories of 2012, which was edited by Tom Parada. And, you know, picking it up and reading a story and then putting it down for like three weeks and then picking it up again and reading a story like while the spaghetti was cooking or something. Um, but short stories are great for when you're out and about and, you know, moving around and don't have a long time to sit and read and the best american series from 2012 is in oyster so i just you know popped that open and picked up at a story that i hadn't read yet in the print copy and now i can move sort of seamlessly between the print edition that's on my bedside table and the ebook edition and i didn't have to buy the book twice that's nice yeah that is nice a couple related points to that one is it's kind of reminds me the experience of looking for something to read on there and like do you remember, you're, you're not as old as um, I am, um, the old man of the sea here, but you are old enough to remember those nights of going to Blockbuster, not oh, knowing yeah. what movie you wanted, mm-hmm. and just sort of, you know, wandering the aisles and like, oh, yeah, let's get this, and like, you know, finding yeah. something and going back. Mm-hmm. I realized I haven't done that with books in a long time. And that's what this is about, because they don't have everything, so you can't really go into it thinking, I want to see, I want to read this book. Because right. you're going to be, you know, probably at this point disappointed, especially if it's front list. You just forget about it. It's not on the table. It's kind of like going to the Strand here in New York. Like mm-hmm. you, you don't go in thinking, I'm, I, I definitely, this is the book I'm looking for. And if I don't find I'm disappointed, it's more of maybe this, maybe that. Let me stroll through here. Um, and that's fun to do. Uh, and, you know, I don't know that you want to do that forever. Uh, but at this point, it's great to just like say, oh, yeah, that thing. And it feels free suddenly because you've already like shot off your 10 bucks, right? Right. Yeah. It's already right there. Like, 
And I'm a person just like a consumer wise that I like these kinds of subscription services that right. open me up to being able to try things that I've been thinking about. I love Spotify for the same reason. Um, but like I just popped open my Oyster app and it has popular on Oyster that starts with water for elephants, the art of racing in the rain, predictably irrational. There's the best American short stories, mm-hmm. the Lord of the Rings, the giver, fast food nation, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Those are just the popular titles, and yeah. then it breaks down. There's Agatha Christie, I noticed. Yeah, there's, there's New and Noteworthy. Sweeping, road is on there. Yeah, Sweeping History, Sports Stories, Business Essentials. Yeah. Um, it does have that feel of like Blockbuster or like when you would walk into Barnes & Noble and you could stop at the like the New and Paperback table yeah. or the like, you know, Regency romance table. Yeah. Um, the categories are interesting, and because not everything is there, it makes it a little bit easier to choose. So we, but, what about the price? What do you think about that price? Man, for backlist, I think it's fantastic. Seems like, good, right? I buy. I was trying to do the math. That's I buy one ebook. Yeah, that's that's less than one ebook. Yeah. Like I, I just bought well, the ebook of a new. Well, we should say that's like big six new ebook, right? Yeah, now, right. right, yeah, a, a new. So yeah, a front list title five, that I just bought was fourteen ninety nine in right. ebook, and I cringed a little bit. <laughs> um, I think nine ninety five a month for unlimited backlist reading is sort of crazy good. And if they ever magically rolled out front list. Um, which yeah, if you're listening you and, and you're like, that on Twitter a little bit, yeah, like, if you're like, what the heck is that? front list and backlist front list is new releases and backlist is everything else that an author yeah. has done or older titles that aren't new, uh, this season or this year, I would, I don't know. I would pay. It's hard to say. I would probably, I'd pay a good amount of money to be able to download a couple new releases and a bunch of backlist every month. Yeah. Of course. I don't know. If that became the thing, we're talking about like the implosion of publishing of the publishing yeah, business as we know it, true. and then like the creation of a new way of doing business, which is not necessarily. And we're walking around in McCarthy's bad, The Road looking for right. books. <laughs> which I have never read, but oh, I oh, spoiler, sorry. <laughs> right, they walk a lot. They did a lot of walking, a lot <laughs> of walking. Yeah, the price is great. I mean, even for the the catalog they have on there, which is limited, and I'd only expect it to grow. Like, imagine if you were on Netflix the first week. After yeah. it opened, I'm sure they, they had different, you know, I think Netflix streaming is a good example. I kind of hope they keep it. I kind of hope it's not everything under the sun and they mm-hmm. do sort of a rotating things come on it for a while, like Netflix streaming, um, like for a while, the James Bond back catalog was on, but then it was gone. Yeah. So well, I think it gave you a reason a good... to, to, to try it right then. And there's an, I also like that you can, it feels like kind of browsable. Yeah, and streaming is a good analogy as well because you don't own the books yep, that you read that's right. on Oyster. You can, you know, you you sort of download them as you're interacting with them, but they don't stay with you forever. There's no guarantee that they will always be available. So, yeah. you know, it, it resembles a library experience. Right. In that way. And I talked, and I I I did this on Twitter too. I was like, I was thinking about just the the value proposition, right? So, mm. Oyster is ten bucks essentially. Uh, Netflix streaming is eight bucks. Yep. And uh, premium Spotify is $9.99. 10 bucks as well. So that's 28 bucks. If you got all those, 28 bucks a month. And then you know what the hardcover price of uh, Marissa Pestle's Night Film is, full price? $28. $20 on the nose. So, you, I mean, that's Plus a Audible, little... like what's Audible's fourteen ninety five a month for yeah, one credit? right, for one credit. I'm like just thinking like I can get all the music I could listen to, all the streaming I could handle, and all the backlist I could ever handle or buy one new print frontless title full price. Yeah. Uh, hmm. <laughs> I mean, sounds. I mean, come on. Just, 
there's just it's just really hard to say. I mean, you, I would expect it to be backlist. I mean, if I were a publisher, and I don't want to, I, I don't want to be those people that tell publishers how to do their business because I assume they have the reasons for what they're doing. But what I could see reasonably happening from where I sit is it does become like Netflix for streaming in terms of what's available. Mm-hmm. Older titles, limited run, not everything, but enough that you feel like you're getting your money's worth. That's I, that's where I see this going. I think that makes and sense. And I will I happily pay it for the foreseeable future if that's If I'm a publisher or a bookseller, I'm probably worried about you know what Oyster means for my business. Yep. And so if, if Oyster sticks to backlist, that helps a little bit. Right. But as a reader, like just purely as a reader... Yep. If I can just be a reader and forget I know things about the publishing That's right. industry. That's, you're in a safe space here, Buck. Yeah, I think this is, to, to borrow uh, our friend Liberty's statement, damn, it feels mm-hmm. good to be a reader. Like, this is a damn, it feels good to be a reader moment. This is a really exciting yeah. point. In- well, you and I are still going to buy Front List. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're, there's, yeah. there's some titles like Marilyn Robinson has a new novel coming out next year we just found out today. There. Wild horses could not drag us uh, away from buying that the day it comes out. And but I'm going to buy Toni Morrison in hardcover for as long as right. there is Toni Morrison in hardcover. <laughs> and I need to continue believing that there will be new Toni Morrisons in hardcover well, for a while. Why did you have to bring that up? We're having such a nice time here. <laughs> We're talking about Toni and to how she will... dark clouds. You're, you're looking, Toni's going to no write clouds. a lot more books, Jeff. You can keep your clouds. Okay, all right. But, you know, backlist like Netflix streaming, similar kind of content experience... I yeah. think makes a lot of sense. I see no reason this thing shouldn't be really super successful. I see no reason it shouldn't be. I think there's enough people. I think there's enough publishers already involved. Mm-hmm. Um, they can get some money for their backlist. I'm assuming the deals, you know, if the deal sucked for the publishers, they wouldn't have signed them. Um, I don't know. Maybe they're going to find that there's so much usage they're going to want yeah. more money or something. And Oyster, you know, who well, knows? Who knows? Uh, but from a so reader's point of view, it's awesome. Ten bucks, it's awesome. It's great. Look for it. We're going to talk about this more. So it's sort of two things, two yep. last oyster bits. Good on Harper Collins because yes. Harper Collins was also the first big publisher to sign on with Amazon's Kindle Matchbook program, which we talked about last week. When we don't know how that's going to pan out either, but we're stoked to see Harper Collins sort of you know leading the charge and being willing to try things. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the time to be trying things in publishing. So good on them. And also, you know, last week the Kindle Matchbooks thing was yep. was the big news of the week. And that's the program that Amazon will be launching that lets you buy, provided that the publisher participates, a discounted ebook at either $2.99, $1.99, or for free of any book that you've purchased from them in print for as long as Amazon has sold books, which is since 1995. And at that point, I thought that was pretty cool. I haven't really bought books from Amazon for a long yeah. time, so I don't stand to gain much from it. But the fact that you can get as many ebooks as you want in a month from Oyster for nine ninety five sort of eclipses destroys it. Destroys the coolness it. of spending several hundred dollars on ebooks from Amazon to it, it to it ebookify down, your backlist. It takes its lunch money and it spits in its face. It's yeah. that much. It's that much different. You know, and you know, it's interesting. Oyster is like the first thing in a while um, that's really cool and different in digital reading. That's not Amazon, right? Like, right? Am I right? Yeah. Am, am I missing no, something? No, no, like, you are. And when we when we talked about it on Facebook, several Book Riot readers commented that they were excited to see somebody who's not Amazon yeah. do the next cool and thing. And if you have a Kindle, don't hold your breath for getting Oyster on your Kindle. Yeah. Because Amazon doesn't want, they don't like this. They, they're not going to want this. Right. Um, because what they do is they sell books. Um, and they have their own lending library, but that's a different proposition. Like this is a different thing. So if you're in the market for a tablet or something as an e-reader this fall, 
and you're interested in Oyster, even though it's not coming to Android yet, like you might think about that in your ear. If, it, if you're a candidate and you want to try Oyster, you know, iPad, you know, a Nook, because you can get Android things, um, you know, a, mm. a, a, uh, a, one of the Google um, Android tablets, the um, Nexus. Nexus, yeah. Nexus 7, that's one I would consider too. Um, I don't know everything about those, but that's my, something to keep in mind if you're interested in a tablet uh, going forward. Because Amazon's like, I would be shocked. I don't know why they would, because they're not making any money off letting Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't think they would at all. On this. And, you know, tomorrow, you know, we're going to hear tomorrow, a- Amazon buys Oyster for $58 million or something like that. But uh, there's nothing we can do about that. Let's say anything else on Oyster. It feels like there's more to say. Maybe other things will occur to us as we use it. Mm-hmm. Um, we've both been using it. We should say they haven't paid us to talk about it. Yeah, I know. Maybe someday they will. <laughs> um, and But we're stoked about it. If you've so, been using Oyster and you've got some feedback, um, shoot us an email. Right. If, now if there's something sh- you want to know about it, yeah. uh, podcast at bookriot.com. Sure, we're happy can, to, we're so excited to be talking about this right yeah, now. You can hit us on Twitter with your questions at any point. We'll give Twitter handles at the end. But like a couple of weeks ago, a listener tweeted me for my roasted chicken recipe. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I saw that. that. I was like, yes, I will email you my roasted chicken <laughs> so recipe. So awesome. And uh, I will talk to you about Oyster. That's um, too funny. Okay. I think that's it about Oyster. Maybe we'll have some follow-up. Uh, when I hear about new books. Let's hear about new books that maybe we'll read on Oyster in seven to ten years. <laughs> <laughs> well, fall the the big fall publishing season is in full it effect. Is. It is now, and so I, you know, how you were saying for a couple of weeks that you thought we might have a, a week of the show with no big news. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to have to train myself to not be like, oh, there are actually good books out this week because there are just. Really <laughs> you noticed I didn't say out. that I resisted. You didn't. That. Uh, with rolling, there's no way to not have big news. So this week, uh, there were tons of good books to choose from. And so I, you know, chose the ones that I liked the best because this is our show. Uh, so the first one is called the dark path. It's a memoir by David Schickler. Uh, some of you might have read his memoir kissing in Manhattan that came out several years ago. It's dark and twisty and, uh, he's sort of dark and twisty, but really smart. And the dark path, uh, is, is the memoir of, uh, primarily his life, as a, that's how memoirs work. They are about people's lives. Is that what that is? That is how Thanks that works, clarifying. Jeff. Yeah. I know it's amazing. Memoir. Uh, Memoir. Memoir. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, David Schickler was raised a devout Catholic, and for most of his childhood, he uh, felt called to become a priest. Uh, the book's title comes from the path behind his family's home that he would take walks on as a child and then as a young man, where he would, uh, where he would basically where he would pray or where he would spend time um, communing with God and thinking about what he wanted for his life. And he, he just really felt called to become a priest. But David Schickler also really loves women and loves sex. And those things, of course, do not jive with becoming a Catholic priest. So he was very conflicted for a very long time uh, in his adolescence and young adulthood. And the memoir is just a really honest, candid, uh, he just lays bare uh, even the embarrassing details of his struggle with this. And it's a, if you're interested in the intersection of religion and sexuality, which is like my genre kryptonite to a T, <laughs> um, it's really fascinating. It's a super well-written memoir that I think just does a lot of the things that a memoir in general should do. He's, uh, he's just so honest um, and, and 
puts out a lot of the things that you, you might not want to reveal about yourself to the potentially, you know, thousands of strangers who are going to read your story, but it's all out there and the risks that he takes really pay off well. Um, I loved it. I think it's terrific and it's out from Riverhead now and uh, it's called The Dark Path. This one I picked for you because you just read this author. I did. Um, More Than This is out from Patrick Ness, uh, whose Chaos Walking trilogy I just, is a big I read deal. this summer. Yeah. And it's going to be a movie, but that's for a That's a different show. story. Different, different story. Uh, but lots of love for Patrick Ness among young adult readers in particular. And this new book um, is uh, The Chronicle of a Life, or maybe it's the afterlife, of a teen who is trapped in a crumbling, abandoned world. Wait, so, are you suggesting? Wait, it's a teen in a crumbling. This is shocking news. I know, NYA. Jeff. <laughs> I, I what an I, I I like Patrick Ness and I really like the Chaos Walking trilogy. But boy, I'm when do you ready think the shiny else. happy people thing is going to take over? In I don't know. Could there be like at least some other people? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they don't have to be shiny. I've heard good things about this so like far. I, I, I'm giving them a hard time, but I've heard good things about this book so far. Yeah, the reviews, the early reviews for it so far, great. The cover's really catchy. Um, I have not ever read Patrick Ness, and this to me seems like maybe a more... I thought you read The Knife of Never Letting Go. I have not. Oh, you put on a good show then. Okay, all right. (laughs) Okay. I see how it is. Maybe I should have put that on the books I've pretended to. Yeah, there you go. I don't think I've ever intentionally pretended to have read The Knife of Never Letting Go. I thought you were talking about it. You probably just told me about it or something. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyway, so more than this, that's also out this week. By the time you listen to the show, you'll be able to download it or purchase it at your local bookstore, borrow it from your library. Uh, Also a big week in paperback releases. One of my very favorite books of the year uh, from 2012 is out in paperback. This week it's called She Matters, A Life in Friendships by Susanna Sonnenberg. Uh, Sonnenberg is a memoirist. Her first memoir was called um, Her Last Death, and it was about her very troubled relationship with her very troubled mother. Uh, and She Matters is about all of the other relationships with women that defined her life. Uh, friendships that were wonderful, friendships that were dysfunctional, uh, friendships in which the other person screwed up, the friendships in which she screwed up, like the ones that are irrevoc- irrevocably broken and the ones that um, she somehow managed to repair and sort of The big picture here is about how important friendships with other women are in women's lives. Um, How for for Sonnenberg, it's how her relationship with her mother shaped what she's looking for in friendships and how she forms friendships with other women. But it's a really, really beautiful story. And every chapter of the book um, is about is sort of a capsule story about a different friendship with a different woman that was important to defining her life. Um, I thought it was really terrific and it makes an excellent gift for all of the ladies in your life. Um, So many people that I love got it for Christmas last year. Cool. If that's not your flavor, Telegraph Avenue by Michael Shaben is out in paperback this week. He's a big deal. Shaben. Oh, Shaben. let me stop you right there real quick. I've got a listener question. They can help us out with something. Oh, yeah. I, I'm working on a post, and I don't know what's going to happen, um, but a guide to pronouncing author names. Mm. And this is one I butchered for a longer than I'd like to admit, Michael Shaben. Um, ah. And if you've got one that you don't know or you butchered for a long time or you know other people butcher – Shoot us an email, podcast at bookriot.com. Give me the author name and I'll include it in the, in the guide. Okay, take us, take us back to... And the last one. So the last paperback release this week is Spillover by David Quammen. And this is a big book. Like it's a big, scary mm-hmm. book about uh, 
how big disease epidemics emerge and sort of a history of all the ones that we've seen so far and what, what might be next. Uh, and if there's, I have a friend named Melissa who's in my uh, Twitter and Instagram feeds who is underlining sections of this book and taking photos of them. And like, just those are terrifying. Oh, okay. uh, but I've heard great things. If you want to like really super geek out in some well-written nonfiction and learn about diseases and then, you know, probably like be convinced that you're catching all of them for a couple weeks, <laughs> which is how yeah. I roll. <laughs> or they could also call this a hypochondriac's guide to insomnia. I think yeah, that's another name for this book. It's like readerly transference, you know, um, mm. but that's spillover. Uh, got tons of acclaim when it came out last year. I don't know anyone who's read it who didn't love it, uh, but I have a feeling it's one of those books that you just sort of like you poke whoever is near you yeah. while you're reading it to tell them the latest. Do you know that this, we could like, all die tomorrow? <laughs> the latest disgusting <laughs> thing that, that you've read. Uh, and those are the new books for the week. All right. We got two. Let's do two quick other things because yes. we're, we're running along here. But right. uh, Tumblr, um, they launched a book club. They did. It's called Reblog, which is fitting yes. for, for Tumblr. Uh, and the first book that they've selected is called Fangirl by Rainbow Roll uh, or Rowell. There's another one we don't know how to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you read Eleanor and Park, which is a very beloved uh, young adult book from earlier this year, it's the same author. And she has a large uh, Tumblr presence. So it's the first book. And, and basically, over the next month, uh, you can... Do ba- anything you want related to Fangirl yeah. on Tumblr. Um, tag you don't it have with to, the um, right tag. Yeah, you don't have to write an analysis of it. Like so far I've seen, I'm following along and I've seen uh, someone went to the fabric store and bought a bunch of fabric from the colors mm-hmm. of the book and did a stat, like a photo We've of a stack. got some dream casting here. Of that, right. There's dream cast for the movie. There are like little quotes. There are drawings. Um, it, it just looks like a really cool thing. And Tumblr offers you so many different ways to interact Very cool with idea. material. So you can pull a quote. You can write a post. There's all sorts of stuff. And just tons of people on Tumblr are already talking about this book. So we're going to keep an eye on that over the next month. Um my friend Rachel Fertilizer at Tumblr is the one who came up with this, so we should you know shout out to her for the good idea. But she has let us know they think it's probably going to be like sort of a quarterly thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this this first one is definitely an experiment, and if it goes well, then it might happen more often. Uh, but they're looking for authors that are involved in Tumblr who really get it and whose readers are involved in Tumblr as well. But awesome, yeah, cool check way. that out. If cool, you, if you're a Tumblr e-books. and a book fan. Then you probably should be on that train. Yeah, cool new like rebirth of the book club. Should we do this goofy thing? You want to do two, the... two minutes of goofy stuff? Well, oh, it's a rowling day, rolling it's a, day. Yeah, it's a rolling. rolling. Day. We had so much rolling fun earlier, and this came across my uh, internet path this morning. It's a chart of Myers Briggs personality types broken out and illustrated with Harry Potter characters. That's right. So the Myers-Briggs is a personality test. I think you would know more about this because, you know, you're one of those psychology majors uh, or Mm -hmm. whatever. In the 70s, right? Something like that? Yeah. Basically to evaluate your, is it a personality? Is that what they call it? It's four different dimensions of your personality. Right. And so basically there's two options for each quadrant. You can be, Mm -hmm. for the first one is either... E or I, right? Mm-hmm. You're so, either an extrovert or an introvert. Okay. And then the second one is N or S, so mm-hmm. intuitive or... Sensing. Sensing, okay. And the third one is F or 
the, which is feeling or thinking. That one uh-huh. I remember. Yeah. And the last one is J or P, P. which is judging or perceiving, right? Mm-hmm. And so there are 16 possible right. types. For those of you good at math, that means there are 16 possible combinations. And each one of them, the Myers-Briggs folks came up with a description of like how you tend to see and interact with the world. And people do this in like professional settings to kind of identify yourself and other people and think about how other people think about things and how you can interact with them best. That's the best case scenario, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, the full version of it, I think, is like 300 items and it's big and expensive. And so you would probably only take the full version of the Myers-Briggs in a professional situation or in school. There's like Uh, a Diet Coke version that's like 75 questions or something like that. That's the one I did in high school for for some reason. There's some free free shorter versions of it online. So if you like this sort of stuff and you're curious, uh, you can take a free Myers-Briggs type indicator, um, the MBTI online. Oh, Uh, you know the acronym. I am impressed. You know. So we, we have both taken this before. Or so we know what our what our st- I haven't looked at what I am. So okay. you go first. And then- okay, so <laughs> I looked this morning and I was like, oh, really? Uh, I'm an INTJ, uh-huh. which is introverted, intuitive thinking, and judging. Of course, it's that J that makes you think, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> and I am the INTJ is Draco Malfoy. <laughs> Man, I was just holding out for Hermione. It cu- I couldn't have been Hermione like for one day. I have to be Draco Malfoy. <laughs> so read me the read me the. Uh, I'm not looking at it because I haven't What's looked at type, it. Jeff? No, no, read me yours. What's your oh, description? Fine. Okay. Uh, well, so the description doesn't have anything to do with Draco Malfoy. No, no, but They're I can't like, remember okay. what INTJ is. Uh, natural leaders that strive for perfection, objective, independent, conceptual, and adaptable. Quickly see patterns in external events and develop long-range explanatory perspectives. Skeptical and independent tend to have an aura of definite self-confidence. This is like reading your horoscope out loud. That was totally embarrassing. You know, A, that does sound like you. And B, one of the genius things with Myers-Briggs is all positive. Right. Like it all sounds like good stuff, right? Like, yeah, I, that, I, not only am I that, I want to be yeah. that. Yeah. And if you take the Myers Briggs and like go to the seminars, then they're like, okay, so if you're an INTJ and you're married to an ENFP, here right. are the problems yeah. that you're going to have. Right. You're going to be the one who's the <laughs> jerk, and the other person is going to be the one who has hurt feelings all the time. Yeah, but that's right. Yeah. This one. So j- tell me what you're talking I am INTP. You're, oh, Jeff, you're Hermione. Oh, am I? That's such good news. You are. I'm well, really the best character, not a yeah. surprise. Um, <laughs> She's pretty, she has great hair. So the difference is like you judge things and I just like, so it is, right? That's the difference? Is, uh, that, yeah, is that what the, our difference like, is? The yeah. INTP is introverted, intuitive, thinking, and perceiving. Uh, okay. So a natural-born thinker, reserved, theoretical, analytical, and logical. <laughs> oh, my oh, my God. God. I've forgotten how on this was. <laughs> uh, often come up with systems with which to solve problems. <laughs> Quick to correct others. Uh, interested more in ideas than in social interaction. <laughs> Currently drinking a beer and has no hair. Have a strong ability to stay on task. That's uncanny. <laughs> it's really weird. Oh, you're Hermione. Yeah. I can forgive you for being Hermione because you have such an amazing Myers-Briggs description. <laughs> you're basically Dr. Spock. It says you don't feel <laughs> and you like to read. That's what it should say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so that's Myers-Briggs. We'll leave that in the show notes. You can gum yeah, you obsess can, over who you yeah, are. You can find your type and then see. Yeah. Uh, all right, so we got one shout-out, and let's get out of here. Yeah, you do the shout-out. The shout-out. So um, 
theartofmanliness.com gave us a shout out. Mm-hmm. And they did a list of 24 podcasts, great for f- fellas. Despite the presence of my lady parts. We were number one. It's so we great. We were the first pick. They said we're, still, like, we're, we're about books, but we're not boring. We're interesting. And dude and, should like us. Yeah. And that dude's name is Jeremy Anderberg. Jeremy, thank you. Thank you, Jeremy. And we're going to drop a link in the show notes there, both to crow about it and so that you can go and maybe, if you're listening to us, presumably you like us, and this guy clearly has exquisite taste. Um, and so you might be interested in some of the other podcasts that he has on there, too. I'm going to check some of them out for sure. Yeah, there's some good stuff on that list. Interesting stuff. Podcasts are, he, he writes, I mean, clearly winningly and accurately about how great we are. But also, one true thing he says in the header to that is, podcasts are hard to find, right? True. It's it's very hard to sample, and there's so many of them. Um, it's like a bookstore where everything is self-published. It's like, it's hard to know. I'm sure there are good things in here, but it's hard to separate the wheat from the chaff. So things like this are really great to find podcasts. And we are especially humbled and thank you and uh, grateful to, to be uh, singled out there. So that is our show. You are on That's vacation it. next week. I will have a guest. You I'm, will. I'm not going to say who it is, nope. but we're, we're going to have a guest. Um, we'll still do the show. Um, but I am Jeff O'Neill. You can find me on Twitter at Reading Ape. You are Rebecca Shinsky. You can be found on Twitter at Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. I see Man, I you do that well. Um, you can find the show at the show notes, links we talked about, other things, the new book titles in case you missed something or want to write something down. Look at the other 23 not-quite-as-good podcasts for men um, right below us there. <laughs> you can go to bookwrite.com slash podcast, and you can see all back uh back shows you can follow us uh the the book riot that's the site we write for and run bookriot.com at bookriot on twitter if you want to leave a review on itunes awesome way to help the show very simple way to help the show we look at those reviews and take that feedback seriously did i forget anything rebecca we have a short seven question survey that'll take you less than two minutes to complete that you'll just be doing us a favor when you do it that'll be in the show notes as well and it helps us to identify and secure the best and most relevant sponsors uh, so that we can keep bringing you news of cool things like Squarespace and speaking of Squarespace sponsors thank you so much to Squarespace for sponsoring the show this week go to squarespace.com slash riot9 check them out if you have a website that you need to do or thinking about doing it do it now get a good deal Help us keep bringing the shows to you. Rebecca, you have an excellent vacation, and we will talk to you in two weeks. Yeah, have a good one. Bye, guys. Bye.